Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. And on the line right now, we have Bill Weiser, the managing editor of the Plough Publishing House, part of the Denthonian community in Inverell, New South Wales. How are you going, Bill? Very well, thank you. Good to hear you, Matt. It's nice to chat with you. I've got to meet a number of uh, the couples from the Danthonian community, a wonderful Christian community in Inverell. And every time they visit me, they give me these wonderful Christian books about family values, about discipleship, uh, amazing testimonies. I thought it'd be good to have a chat with you and find out a bit about the kind of books that you guys have released over the years. Are you able to give us an overview of what the Plough Publishing House does? Sure. It's really an outgrowth of the Bruderhof communities going back to the 1920s in Germany and following expulsion from Germany by the Nazis and finding refuge first in England, then in Paraguay. The Bruderhof moved to the United States and now is in some 36 locations around the world. We are a Christian community taking our leading from the Book of Acts and the early church where it describes the first church in Jerusalem sharing everything in common. And we are certainly not insular in the sense that we wish that our discipleship, our witness, is really for the world at large. And so one way we connect in in a variety of ways with the world around us is through the publishing work and addressing the issues that every person addresses Um, issues of forgiveness and reconciliation, finding peace and purpose in life, the raising of children in a a godly manner, the relationship between husband and wife in true marriage, similar topics of that sort, which we then find ourselves connecting with many organizations and churches, charities throughout the country whose primary purpose is working in those different areas. And so as managing editor, I have the joy and privilege to connect with many hundreds of people across the country who are doing beautiful work in prisons, beautiful work in aged care, beautiful work in reconciliation and forgiveness, and we provide the books at cost or on a donation basis to further their ministry. And so we really feel we're partners with with beautiful people doing wonderful work throughout the country, and I, I thank God for that. Well, it is an amazing community, and uh, like I said, the couples I've got to meet, uh, they've come and served at a soup kitchen I'm a part of, uh, they've joined it in our Bible studies, and uh, we've prayed together. They're, they're the real deal, and uh, I just find it fascinating that you know there's about 180 that live in this community in Inverell. Uh, you all share the one bank account. Uh, you, you have your own Christian school. Uh, you, you're very... Uh, proactive uh, in you know building community together. I think the church in the West needs to learn to build community better, and you guys do it well. What what lessons can we learn from you about the way you do community? That's that's a great question. I would say first of all, pray and ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
it is Christ who makes the impossible possible, so that ordinary men and women, like my wife and myself, those you have met, can live together in forgiveness and mutual trust as brothers and sisters, free the children of one Father, and it is His Spirit that calls believers to a life of love, where work, worship, mission, education, and family life are brought together into a single whole. And that, that's the beauty of our life, of our vocation, is that all these bits of life, which to many people, uh, unfortunately, are, are unconnected or disconnected, can be brought into a single unity. And really, it is this vocation, our calling of this consecrated life, that is really the, the greatest service we can render humanity in the best way we can proclaim Christ. And just to unpack that, our world is so divided, separated, it doesn't take more than look at one newspaper's worth of headlines to see that today. Terrible tragedies with the refugees streaming out of war-torn countries. And really, at the heart of that is the, the selfishness, the greed in each one of us. And that can be conquered through Christ, through a converted heart, and then... We can witness to a harmony, to a peace that is really a gift of God and has nothing to do with our own individual personalities. Because all those you have met, myself included, are made out of the same flesh and blood as anyone else on the planet. But we do joyfully witness to Christ and his ability to change hearts. Well, it is wonderful uh, to connect with you today. And uh, I guess for the listeners that are trying to picture uh, what uh, this community looks like, um, you may have pe- people may have heard of the Amish or the Anabaptists, and uh, and you see you know more traditional clothing, you know women that wear headdresses, and uh, it's a little more conservative uh, than what y- you'll see people wearing around the street today. Uh, is that something that you guys feel is an important thing uh, to to dress a little more conservatively uh, to show that you're set apart from the world? Well, we really take our direction there from Paul's letters and the other. New Testament writers who speak of, of a modesty in dress and one that speaks to a, a purity of life. So it, it does end up looking different from most people you would see walking the street. But really it is it is a witness in itself and it's not an attempt to separate us from the rest of humanity. We really want to be in the world but not of the world. And so our clothing and and life together does represent uh, a different way of life than you would see around you, perhaps. But really, again, it is so that we can bring others into fellowship. Uh, perhaps even some will ask a question, seeing our dress, you know, why do you dress that way? And it's a beautiful way to to witness to Christ. And the reason we do it has nothing to do with tradition, but a faithfulness to the our understanding of the early church and its place within the society of its time, which was definitely countercultural. Well, I think it's been fantastic to uh, find out a bit about your ministry and uh, your heart to reach out to people uh, through this wonderful range of books that you guys have released. If people want to find out more, they can go to the website plough.com. That's P-L-O-U-G-H dot com. 
And uh, there people can find a list of uh, the different uh, titles you have. And you also have a fantastic quarterly newsletter called The Plough Quarterly, Breaking Ground for a Renewed World. I love the name. Tell us about the next quarterly coming out. Well, very shortly we'll be releasing the next issue. It is entitled Witness. And it really is a contemporary cover, um, a painting of a part of really a, a nicest execution um, and then there's articles in the in the uh, quarterly this time round about the Nigerian experience under Boko Haram. There are also articles on the the topic of marriage and really providing hope and a direction. Um, having spoken with with actually many people this week on a recent trip to Melbourne and to Sydney, I feel. One thing we as Christians need to engender, need to proclaim, is is hope today. That we really need to joyfully proclaim a God-ordered um, complementarity of of man and woman. So there are articles in that regard as well. In the next issue, I would just point out that for those of you who want to get in touch with Plow Australia. The email address is info.oz at plow.com. Wonderful, and we can uh, certainly put that link up at our website too if people want to find out more. Uh, now, before we go, a couple of other questions I want to ask. I just want to take a bit more time to to uh, dig a bit deeper for a moment. I was had, having a chat to some of the guys from uh, your community recently about, you know, how the Amish will send their kids off into the world after they turn 18 and often they'll travel the world or they'll get a job and they'll, you know, and they'll come back and, you know, sometimes they'll stay in the world, sometimes they'll join the community. I understand that you guys have a similar agreement with your teenagers. They're, they're free to go if, if they like at 18. But apparently the statistics are that about 90% of them return and stay in the community. Now, I find that fascinating because in the Christian world, particularly in America, I know the stats are that 80% of Christian kids stop going to church and fall away from God after they've turned 18 because they go to university and they get into the world and they, they fall away from God and rarely return. But I understand you guys have 90% that come back to the community and stay with the Lord. So obviously, whatever you're doing to raise your children, you're doing something right. Now, as a dad of three, I'd love to learn a bit about that. Uh, do you just want to speak into that for us a moment? What are you guys doing right in the way you raise your children? Well, as a dad of five, <laughs> I can respond to that. And also as a young person who primarily grew up within the church community but then left uh, right out of high school, I can attest to the, the journey that takes place really in, in every soul, no matter in what surrounding they grew up. I was raised in a Christian home, but every one of us has to find a personal relationship with Christ, and for some of us that takes more of a journey than others. Um, I certainly had to go through through the wilderness of my own, largely dealing with the selfishness within my own life, wanting to run my life, control my life, realizing eventually the emptiness in that and really seeking and searching then what is the purpose of life, why why am I put on the planet? And really for our own young people, we want them to ask those questions. Why am I placed on the planet? What does God have in mind for me? And in the end, really, it's not a matter so much of searching for God as letting God find you. 
That was my own personal experience. And I, I would maybe uh, disagree a little with your statistics and put it more at about 70%, um, 70 to 80%, and realizing that the primary reason that, that I came back to the church was the foundation I was given um, during my childhood. And so to, to answer your question, I think what we can do best of all as, as parents is to lay the foundations for our children when they are young. And then even if, if they rebel as I did and, and leave the church, that grounding that happens in the early years is critical to the possibility of return. And so I would encourage all the, the parents who are listening to really spend the time with your children. The most precious commodity we have as humans is our time. And really deal with the issues of the day, the distractions of technology. You'll have to take a position that will be unpopular with your teenagers, but it's really worth it. Go through the hard yards, and then you'll have less to regret once they leave the house and take wings on their own. It's been said that there's two things we can give to our children, foundation, first of all, and then wings to fly. I've certainly been impacted to hear the stories of your community with no TVs or iPads or computers uh, in the homes. I understand you use them for some of the businesses you're, you're a part of, but uh, uh, you certainly have technology free uh, in your homes. And uh, I've challenged my kids a few times. I said, I'm going to take you to this community in Inverell and we're going to spend a week there to get you set free from your addiction to technology. Uh, I think we could all do with, with uh, some time without our technology and I, I certainly have been amazed to hear of the, the community you live in. Uh, now before we go, the most important question. For those who are listening that haven't heard the gospel, would you share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? The gospel is reconciliation of the entire universe to God. That is why by Christ came, he came to destroy the works of evil and really to open the pathway so that each person on the planet can find their way to God and then to lead a, a life of joy, a life of faith, also a life of suffering, but a life of prayer and really together with brothers and sisters in the faith because we all need to be part of some kind of fellowship we can encourage each other and proclaim Christ in a broken world. That is certainly good news. We've been talking to Bill Weiser, the managing editor of the Plough Publishing House from the Bruderhof community, uh, the Danthonian community in Inverell, New South Wales. Uh, Bill, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. So good to hear you, Matt. All the best. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's word to a lost and needy world. 
Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor, 